So the younger version of Samaya was very different from the Samaya you see today. She was um, a shy child who had basically shut herself down because from a very early age, she had seen abuse and bullying and the world did not feel like a safe space. Yet there was a part of her through all of that hopelessness that did not lose hope. That felt, huh, okay, there's something that's going to keep me going. I don't know what that is, but I knew that there's something that I'm here for. Welcome to yet another episode of the Smashed, Bashed, Yet Not Dashed podcast. I have today with me a very, very special guest and someone who, well, it would be different compared to what we've normally done on this particular podcast. And you have to tune in for that because today we have Soumya and Soumya is someone who brings a different dimension to what we normally had here. Someone who in the space of emotional well-being and mental wellness has come out and done amazing things and a conversation that in today's time is more relevant than ever before. So stay tuned for this one. Have you ever been knocked down and found it hard to get up? Have you ever been knocked down and bounced back to come back even stronger? Hi, I'm Gaurav Bhagat and you can call me GB. And welcome to the Smash Bashed Yet Not Dashed podcast. A fortnightly podcast where I speak about persistence, perseverance and overcoming the odds to come out ahead. So, Soumya, first of all, welcome to the Gaurav Bhagat Academy. It's great to have you on the Smashed, Bashed, Yet Not Dashed podcast. Been hearing such amazing things about what you've been doing. Okay, we're talking about the BW, Business World, 40 Under 40. Amazing things happening with, you know, a lot of clients. You've been able to bring about, you know, transformation, healing and more. So, first up, how have things been with you? So, you're right, Gaurav. I think this is the best time to be in this space. And I'm so grateful that people are finally bringing a focus into emotional mental well-being. I feel we're a little late to the game, but uh, better late than never. Um, It's now become an urgency that people have tried to recognize. And um, I'm grateful for the fact that they feel safe enough to now ask for help. Yeah, so true. And we're going to talk about that and a lot more. But before we go to, you know, where we currently are, let's go back to the Soumya of, you know, perhaps like the the teens or the pre-teens, sure. Soumya. So what was it really like? You know, what was it like for you growing up? Where did some of that happen? And you went to school to Siddhar Patel. I did. But uh, let's, let's talk about, you know, the younger version of Soumya. So the younger version of Soumya was very different from the Soumya you see today. She was um, a shy child who had basically shut herself down because from a very early age, she had seen abuse and bullying and the world did not feel like a safe space. Yet there was a part of her through all of that hopelessness that did not lose hope. That felt, huh, okay, there's something that's going to keep me going. I don't know what that is, but I knew that there's something that I'm here for. Parallelly, I also felt at that time I could see good in other people. And I could see, okay, why is this person so, you know, feeling so lost or confused about themselves or questioning themselves while they have everything going for them? So I think two very conflicting realities that I was living with at the same time. And I really am grateful for the universe to have guided me here. And uh, I think that is a part that I have gone back to a lot and also um, healed and also taken inspiration from. Interesting. That's been what brought me here. Right. So almost in terms of what perhaps happened to you when you were growing up is things that you don't want to happen to others. And maybe that's part of why you've taken this path So there's that quote, right? That where the wound is, is where the light goes in. Um, I think that is true for me. 
Right. And um, so the beginning of the journey, honestly, was first to understand my own self right. and to understand what was I doing wrong that this was happening to me. Right. And right. from there, I think a lot more opened and I, and I realized that's where uh, my strength also laid. And, and I could uh, maybe empathize in a way that not many people could. Got it. Yeah, and we're going to talk about some of the names that you know, you've associated with you know, later on as well. Yeah. So you're done with school and then um, you decide to pursue psychology, Delhi yes. University. Yeah. Um, so was that also part of you think the plan that you knew that, okay, this is the path that I'm going to be on and, and hence, you know, psychology is, is something that's going to play a vital role? So, um, you know, I'm a great believer in the fact that I'm guided. And, um, and yet I only do things that I feel passionately about. So when I was in grade six is when I fell in love with history. And the reason for that was that the person I was in love with loved history. So <laughs> I paid extra attention to the subject and I really started to enjoy it. Then right. I was like, clear, I'm going to study history or mm -hmm. at least do humanities. Mm -hmm. um, ours is the first batch that had psychology introduced in school. And um, there was a lot of fight about introducing it and we still got through. Right. And um, that's what, you know, so that became my first love. And I, and I started to get the answers I was looking for. And then psychology honors happened in Delhi University. And um, I think what was beautiful about psychology was that it gave me a lot of information. It gave me a lot of insight. And yet I also became very aware that it's very limited. Right. Ultimately, it's, it's different people's points of views, right? And right. of course, there's a lot of data to support it. But none of the schools of thoughts were right. And the fight that was happening among psychologists was this is right versus this is right. right. And in that, what was getting missed on was the human right. who does not belong to a school of thought, who yeah. is beyond schools of thoughts. Yeah. And that's what convinced me to move away from traditional psychology um, and find something that works at the core, that um, is individualized and is not taking years and years to work because right. at the end of two, three years of therapy, did the therapy work or did the times change? We just don't know. Or does the person just give up and say, okay, you know what? This is right, enough. Right. So that's what got me to start looking at other things as well. Right. Wow, yeah. so true. And I love the fact how you said that, you know, the reason why you picked history as a subject and it almost takes me back, you know, to the time when we were in college and there was, uh, I was in Bhagat Singh doing English honours and it was supposed to be English honours. Uh, first it was supposed to be, I think, history honours. Mm. And then Aman, Aman was a friend who I started consorting with. So Aman and I, we're you know, walking down the classes and we walk into our class and there are only guys sitting there. And I'm going to say, he said, let's take a walk around and see what else is available. And we're walking past and we see English honors and the only girls. I'm going to say, this is the class for me. So then that's how, you know, we chose our subject. So it's interesting in terms of, you know, sometimes how you end up doing certain things. Uh, but yeah, just something that came back to me. So you're done with college and uh, you decide to start working with a great Indian company, which is HCL. Mm. And uh, today we're, of course, in sector six. I think your office probably wouldn't have been very well, far from three. here. Yeah. So not very much. far from here. HCL is obviously an institution yeah. in Noida as now around the world. What was that like? Oh, that was amazing. Um, I went as this naive child. Okay? And again, I was guided there. Um, so HCL was coming to our campus and everybody was going for their interviews, my friends included. And I, the lost child that I was, did not know about it. Right. And they said, oh, you know, the campus talk is happening. Do you want to go? I said, okay, we'll get attendance. The only reason you do anything in college is attendance. Correct. And um, I went for that, didn't know, didn't have a CV. They said, oh, if you don't have a CV, handwrite a CV. So I called my elder brother because he's the only person I knew who might know the full form of CV. I was mm -hmm. that checked out. Wow. Wow. <laughs> but yes, I think at the end of all of those rounds of interviews and uh, you know, some that happened at the HCL campus as well, I think there were just two people who got selected from our college and I was one. So for me, again, that was a sign. And right. um, 
And I said, okay, you know what? While I'm thinking about what I want to do, let's do this. Right. Um, I was so naive that day one, my boss tells me, "Ye data hai, isko uh, Excel me dal do." And I turned around and said, "Excel kya hota hai?" No way. Right? <laughs> Not kidding. Yeah. At the end of my time there in Excel, I knew my macros, I knew my VLOOKUP, my edge lookup. I was training people, so yeah. that was a huge win for me. Yeah. And um, you're right. You know, it's a company that. Uh, one, I think it woke me up. It woke me up to what the world outside is like. Right. The second is I actually started to look at what are my strengths. And from the perspective of where I came, it really helped me see that at the end of the day, you could be the head of marketing, you could be the head of HR, you could be anybody, it doesn't matter designation, right? Yeah. You're first a person. And so okay. what was happening in your life as a human is how it was coming across in your interactions with people. Right. Everything was interlinked to your patterns. Right. So that was a big, big realization for me at that time. True. And that got me to start looking at things in a very different way. So it right. wasn't just about people, or rather it wasn't just about roles, it became about people. It, about, yeah. it became about creating a change at the core, which is at the person level, not mm. at a role level. Mm. Yeah. yeah, it's so true. And I think it's, we forget that sometimes, and this is of course like maybe debating a bit, but as a sales conversation, people sometimes say, Oh, I'm in the B2B space, I'm in the B2C space, I'm in the B2G space. I'm like, forget all of that. Who is behind all of these you know, yeah. institutions, organizations? It's people, right? And obviously, I mean, Viraj as a friend talks about this a lot. He talks about the H2H, which is the human to human right. aspect of things. Right. And then people just forget. Absolutely. And I think in the, at the end, you know, the core, that's really what it's all about. Absolutely. We're all in a people to people business. You're always selling to a person. Yeah. Every product, every service is ultimately taken by a person. So right. if you forget the person, you're actually forgetting the, the big picture. Right. And while you're at HCL, because I was seeing when you started Butterfly Effect, you were still at the organization. Yes. And you already have, you know, started a little bit of, you know, conversations right. on, on coaching and, and, and the likes. Uh, mm -hmm. So walk me through that. Like, what was that like? And how did that even happen? How did that even start? <laughs> so once again, um, guidance. Uh, and uh, so I was going through a little bit of a tough time around 2008, 2009 in my own life. And again, that started sort of bringing up the questions that I had in the childhood. What am I? What is my purpose in life? What am I really doing? Is this my destiny? Right. Is this, that's all going to happen in my life? Right. And uh, from there, I actually went to a tarot card reader who I had met probably once in college. And she sort of guided me towards a course, which turned out to be clinical hypnotherapy. And... Um, that sort of side to bring the picture together. You know, that brought mm -hmm. what traditional psychology is. It's clinical psychology. Right. But bringing in the element of hypnotherapy. Now, hypnosis or hypnotherapy is not just what we see on stage. It's, you know, when used therapeutically, it actually takes you deep into your subconscious mind. And I started to see changes. And personally for me, like I had, uh, I used to get um, panic attacks um, with a very specific trigger, exams. And... Um, it started in class 11, went on to college, even went to a psychologist for a year thinking, oh, I'm going to be a psychologist. Why don't I do this as right, well? Right. Um, at the end of one year of uh, uh, counseling, I talked a lot about a lot of things in my life. But um, I had at the end of it a quote that was dance like no one is watching and sing like no one is listening. Right. Which is a very nice quote, yeah. but it doesn't help yeah. when I have a panic attack. Right. Agreed. Now, when I was learning clinical hypnotherapy, we were doing demonstrations in class and practicing with each other. And we were working at phobias and I sort of volunteered to be a demo. It was a 30 minute session and I never got a panic attack again. Really? And I was convinced that if this can happen for me, things can happen for others as well. Right. 
And it wasn't that I changed everything in my life. No, I had a lot more stuff to work through. Right. But it convinced me that change is possible. It just needed the right direction. So yeah. that was my convincing moment. Right. And from there, you know, I just went on to learn more and more and practice more. And right. I think it never stopped after that. Right. Yeah, and of course, uh, you know, taking a look at some of the names that you worked with. I mean, there's there's Marshall Goldsmith, uh, there's uh, you know Louise Hay with you know Heed Your Life, um, there's Gallup Strength Coaching, and there's there's a lot. So you have this big passion towards yeah. you know a of course you know self improvement and learning, which is which is key. And we always say keep educating yourself. That's what key really stands for. Yeah. But what have really been your drivers to seek out the best of the best? Because I've seen a lot of people when they enter this space. They're like, yeah, calm, chal jayega. Kisi se kar lete They'll find a local resource. They'll say, Udemy mein course kar diya, whatever. Yeah. They don't really invest in themselves. They don't. Yeah. You travel extensively abroad, you know, a lot. You've worked with some of these people in person, and and we all know what that costs. I mean, if I go to you know spend some time in Grand Cardone, I mean, it it blows you know a big hole it in does. the wallet. It but does. what made you decide that if I have to take this path, it has to be learning from the best of the best, and there can be no compromise? I think that is something I've always had. You know, if I'm doing something, I'm going to do it all the way, and I'm going to do the very best that I can. Otherwise, there's no point. It's not to say that I only work with the brands. I uh, I'm I'm a keen learner, and I love to keep learning. And more than that, I think I keep applying it to myself. So even what 12 years in this line, still to date, I receive sessions and I give sessions to my friends because right. we're humans. We'll keep yeah. having our stuff coming up, yeah. right? So every two weeks, I receive a session and right. I give one to my friend. Right. And that means I, as a channel, am clear when I'm working with somebody else right. and I don't have my projections coming in. Yeah. And um, so this is the commitment I have, one, to my own self. And I think right. that's a commitment I made to the little girl inside me right. that, you know mm -hmm. what, you're never going to be alone and mm -hmm. we've got this now. And uh, this is also the commitment I make to my clients that right. if you're here, you're going to get the best. And right. it's not about which brands. And I'm grateful that I got to work with all of these people. Right. At the same time, um, it's ultimately about, is this giving me something else and something more to bring into what I offer to my clients? Okay. If it does, yeah, I'm grateful for it. Mm. And I'm always going to keep learning. No, and obviously, it's working because, like I said, I hear such good things from, you know, whoever, uh, you know, spoken to in recent times. And, and yes, the results are for, you know, everyone to see. So really yeah. good to see that happening. But let's go back to even the early days of the practice. Okay, you've sure. now moved out of, you know, HCL. You're trying to kind of, you know, build, um, I mean, out of your immediate power base, your first set of clients and right. more. I mean, it couldn't have been easy, right? So what, awesome. what was that like? I think the first uh, difficult realization after leaving HCL was, oh, there's no salary this month. <laughs> and it's easy to say, oh, I can make this money very easily. But then when you have to start searching with the clients and, you know, and clients start asking you, oh, are you really worth this amount? Right. I started out by charging 1500 rupees. And I had people um, from South Delhi who were asking me this much yeah. for a three-hour session. Yeah. And I noticed myself trying to justify it, realizing probably the lunch they had was much more than that. Right? True. Um, and I realized it was more about building my own worth right. as a business owner. In right. fact, even trying to look at myself as a business owner for that matter. Right. And, uh, and looking at the worth of my own work. So again, you know, as much as it was happening externally, it also became a lot of internal work. Um, and trying to really see what do I really believe about myself? You know, what are my beliefs around my self-worth? What are my beliefs around? What are my possibilities in life? And that was the big one. Mm. And it, I think, was leading to a lot of inner work there as well. Right. Sure. I mean, you know, friends <coughs> and extended family and uh, the neighbors. And then I started advertising in a couple of places. So that did get me clients. And right. then there was no looking back because then every client has referred at least 10 more. 
Wow. But uh, but yes, I think those are those are humbling days, and I'm grateful for them. Did you ever question your path at the time and thinking that okay, have I made the right decision? Did oh, I, I would have questioned it as as late as last year as well. So, yeah. but I think that that question may keep coming up, right. and every time that question comes up, I think it's just to turn back around and look at the impact that one has been able to have. Correct. And. Um, and more importantly the growth that i've been able to have yeah. so you know what even if i don't get paid and god i'm not saying that mm. um but mm. i'm going to be doing this for the rest of my life awesome. and i might die doing this and yeah. that's what it's about it's not about the money Lovely. money is great it's a byproduct of though. course it's about the impact probably yeah it's great i mean it's always about your why and your purpose and Absolutely. the money is a byproduct i mean that's Absolutely. surely just going to follow now we've obviously lived in a difficult period i mean these are things that you would see in in movies or read in in True. books and you know we've had a event which has happened maybe for the first time uh, ever i mean at least they say okay go, go back to the spanish uh, you know pandemic etc right. but it's something that no one could have seen coming mm. right and the last two years you know have had their um, impact on people um you know perhaps i would say more negative than positive True. and you're obviously having to have a lot of these conversations what are some of the things that you're hearing right now what are some of the you know people that are coming to you and what are they saying to you at the moment right now because of the yeah. pandemic so i think it's changed over the <clears> last <throat> two years when it started i was working primarily around the aspect of panic because people did not know what this is what to expect how to deal with it suddenly you're at home and you know uh, hearing all kind of stories and those stories hadn't really started as much in in india by then but we're hearing about from europe and china and all the others right. so there was a lot of borrowed fear that we were working with yeah. and then when it started to come in india you know it almost started with a stigma oh this person has covid Correct. you know what was this person doing outside and meeting people and all Correct. of that Correct. so um for the first i think 2020 it was primarily uh panic and symptoms of you know um having to stay at home and then slowly it started to come into the effects of it for example a lot of um people who are working from home started to come in with respect to you know being burnt out not having any boundaries or yeah. couples started coming in that you know what now we are realizing the challenges we have it was easy to ignore them when we were both at work or um you know we also had people uh, just because they were staying at home and they were sort of not able to ignore the kind of uh, struggles they were going through True. so physical illnesses tried to come up which had nothing to do with covid yeah. so a lot of that latent stuff was coming up and that was a lot of work as well um now um okay then say in 2021 a lot of work was again around of course when the second wave hit and it was traumatizing Crazy for time. everybody yeah. um so then there was again a lot of panic even when you do not have uh, covid in your own house but you know not being able to help someone in fact helplessness was a feeling i think i worked with the most at that time right and then a few weeks later a lot of grief and i think yeah. i'm still working with grief cases till now right um because grief is not just about losing a person you know right. you lose a person you go through the rites etc but the grief hits after when everybody's gone and that's when you have to sort of live with yourself and realize what it has been about so that was uh, that that was a big one as well yeah and then again towards the end of 2021 um the world changed in a way that everything opened up so now people are still trying to manage do we does that mean we're free can we go out can we do whatever 
and then the officers are saying okay you know what now let's uh, let's make it worth our while and you know so people are working even more correct so it's been a now in in the last few years uh, sorry last few months i've been working in burnout in a big way yeah. and corporate stress in a big way for that matter and uh, most of my employees at this point in time are either getting physically ill because of the stress they've had right or they are just burnt out and are having emotional symptoms around that as well whether it's in terms of anxiety or whether it's in panic attack or or just that helplessness that finally leads to depression so wow yeah you come to think of it i mean it's actually been insane like we mentioned initially was the panic yeah. right then there was a question about uh, you know space mm. and uh, i remember reading an article in the early days of the pandemic uh it was from china and they were talking about how uh, lawyers have now more business than ever before especially on the basis of you know the divorce cases mm -hmm. i'm laughing like ha ha you know all of that and everything else and then reality hits home right and i'm not in case you're listening uh, you know <laughs> i'm just happy things worked out the way they did but uh, yeah for a lot of people you know it's been uh, it's been tough and uh, you know i mean thankfully uh, you know we were able to see that path through but i think in the last couple of years if i think about it i have more friends who are now apart than not together and yes. that's just crazy yes right exactly. so uh, unfortunate and then of course you just spoke about i mean exactly a year from today if we go back one year um i remember we sat down at home and we were like you know working the phones and trying to help people you know get oxygen and more everyone was home from the office and everyone was like you know working helplines calling people everything was just all wrong with that i mean i think the worst of you know human kind came out where medicines and and oxygen and things were just being hoarded and it surely couldn't have been easy and i think people who've seen that in their own you know lives and families and offices and weird people in the organization you know who felt sick and we had to run and get things around them it couldn't have been an easy time no it wasn't it wasn't and uh, you know to what you said we saw the worst in human kind we also saw the best in human kind and the also. fact is the worst and the best always are coexisting right and both have the opportunity to come up yeah. it's just about the context and it's also always about the opportunity in that context so true and so in the last year yes i did see a lot of um, pain in human kind but we also saw a lot of good we saw people you know forgetting themselves and helping others right and staying yeah. up and you know yeah. forming groups and and you know so making true. sure that the ambulances are taken care of so and true. the oxygen supply is made available and yeah. doing it for free and and all the others i mean so yeah. many doctors just gave their services for free and so there's no end to that and and sometimes i think even at that time for me personally it was important to shift that focus to what is here and um and and i think that helped and it wasn't easy yes right i have worked with companies where we've um, where they lost the leader they looked up to the most and i've ran grief sessions for them right um and and then leadership sessions uh, for the for the future leaders because they did not know how to take this forward right, right? so it humanity is is complicated yeah. and they are all interlinked yeah and i'm just wondering like how does one really overcome that where you've lost you know the sole breadwinner or you know the primary breadwinner of a family or you know like the name behind an organization i mean losing these you know people are are life changing events i mean it's now a matter of life and death so how do you even have that or start that conversation i'm just curious i think uh by not ignoring it by by acknowledging it for what it is and mm -hmm. acknowledging the person for who he or she was mm -hmm. and it's not about trying to put it away because the grief okay the grief heals yeah. but that that space that's been that's been made with the person's absence will never really go away yeah. it's just that you keep moving forward and so that hole would sort of become more distant right and you'll fill your life with other things as well not to fill that hole because that's never going to go right 
and um, and recognizing that, recognizing that this is a loss, talking about it as a loss, and then talking about the person and what that person brought in. Right. Of course, there are practicalities to it. Like you said, if somebody's a sole bread owner, right, that's not the easiest of things. And then it's not just about emotions; it's also about practicality. Sure. And what do you do then? Mm. And those are very difficult conversations to have. Yeah. And people respond in different ways, right? When they put in a situation like this, there's some people who have emotional outbursts, which they're mm -hmm. unable to, you know, even overcome, and you know, mm -hmm. just keeps you know recurring. There are some who are really good with suppressing, mm -hmm. right? And they'll be like, "Oh, I'm fine. This is just absolutely okay." And that can't be a good thing, right? I mean, it's no. it's gonna at some point, you know, just explode like a volcano, would, right? Yeah, it yeah. would either explode like a volcano emotionally or physically. See, the fact is, all our emotions that we keep buried in, and it's not just um, emotions that we think are volatile, but anything that is unresolved, that is unexpressed and unresolved, keeps holding a place in your physical body as well. And ultimately, that is the place that causes physical illnesses to come in. Right. So, two years later, like I said, uh, last year, we started seeing manifestations of in, in terms of physical manifestation. We're still seeing it, and now it's more critical illnesses. And uh, grief that goes um, unacknowledged, unresolved, for example, is now right. coming in the form of cancer. It's coming in mm -hmm. the form of heart disease. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, so see, it, sometimes we get overwhelmed by emotions. Right. But the fact is, it's our emotions that make us human. And there's no running away from them. Mm -hmm. If we get attached to the story of it, that's what's going to keep it coming and coming and coming. But the fact is, an emotion is like a cloud in the sky. It can come and it can go. And sometimes it would rain. Mm -hmm. And it's okay. And mm. then the sun is there, the sky is still there. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I love that. I think you really put that really well. And yeah, kind of one makes one think that, you know, perhaps you don't have to be like Mr. Spock from Star Trek saying Definitely that, you know, not. I don't feel, yeah. And Mr. Spock thing. also had a human side to him. <laughs> so. Apparently, yeah. So when we talk about the context of, you know, mental health and well being, mm. There's a big difference between how India is perceived and it is how mental health is perceived, you know, globally. And I have friends, uh, You've uh, happened to meet, you know, Dr. Rendazzo from Texas, yes. for example. Um, very big difference in terms of, you know, how problems like that are perceived, you know, here, vis a vis, you know, they are in the West. I mean, here almost like, you know, when someone does want to come forth with that, there are almost families that are suppressing and saying, chordo, ho jayega, apne ho jayega, tension ho rahe, you know, as yeah. a West. So, what are some of the biases that you're seeing towards, you know, mental health, uh, you know, on the whole? Okay, so things are changing in India as well. And, and things are not perfect elsewhere either. But yes, it's a process. And the process is really driven by our own vulnerability. right? So in our childhood or all through our growing up years, we've been taught to be strong. right? Yeah. You're a strong girl, you're a strong boy. You, okay. And then there are those biases of what a gender means. So if you're a boy, you can't express emotions in a certain mm. way. If you're a girl, oh, you're supposed to express them only in this way. Mm. Or this is okay, this is not. Mm. So the biases are actually very subtle as well. Right. The second part of it is, what does it mean for me? So does that mean I could not take care or I could not be strong enough, I could not control? If I'm going to a doctor or if I'm going for a, to a therapist to get help, does that mean... I'm not good enough, I'm not man enough, I'm not woman enough, I'm not big enough, whatever that enough right, is, right? right? right. The, sec the third is, um, we think, oh, achha, if you need help, pagal hai, right? But you don't have to wait for a diagnosis to get help. In fact, the help should happen before you get a diagnosis. Let's look at it as a parallel, okay? There's no judgment when you go to a doctor or a physician when you have fever. Why should there be a judgment when you go to a therapist because you have emotions? So true. Right? 
and we're going to a doctor with for fever because you know beyond a point that crocin is not helping the same thing is here maybe yeah. the food that you have been eating to suppress it is not helped anymore right. or the alcohol that you had or whatever even the healthier ways you were doing you know maybe meditation maybe forgiveness whatever right. that's not working anymore <clears throat> that simply means there's something that's beyond my capacity or vision that i'm not able to handle it correct that's all that is the second part of it is if say for example say i i got my blood test done and my cholesterol was a little on the higher side right would i wait for it to actually become a full fledged problem before i get help or would i start being careful and aware now correct right it's the same for emotional mental well being yeah. you don't have to wait for you to have a full breakdown before you go for help correct. in fact that's when it takes us longer this is dealable and very fast as well so uh, not to say that's not it is right. Right. but you know just the it's the same thing the kind of yeah. medicines i'll have to give there versus here and the same way the kind of the amount or the kind of therapy i'll do there because it would have had so many less to it Correct. versus what i do now is very different mm, so true so point being that start early if you see the signs and you think you're not being able to get a grip see a therapist see a counselor see someone who can talk help talk about it yeah. and talk about it even in terms of the fact that it's okay you know uh, sometimes when i uh, talk to my clients and i say you know what i used to go to a therapist myself mm-hmm. i think it puts them to ease mm-hmm. they realize that i'm not perfect and i don't want to be i'm a Agreed. human yep. right yep. and um, and that's something we can do with everybody i have taken help you can too Correct. right and the other is when someone is starting to think about it encourage them support them in whatever way See one major challenge we have in India as compared to other countries is in the west um the insurance companies pay for your sessions at least a few sessions right. here it becomes about an additional expenditure right. Right? right and that is also that holds people back True that. but again if you're starting out at an early level you don't need to get that uh, you know that many number of sessions or right. you know make that sort of an investment right it begins with self it right. begins with prioritizing yourself and the fact is everything else that we prioritize whether it's our work whether it is um, you know the parties or anything else right that's going to fade away if you don't have your own self in it true and that's the biggest loss you can have mm, so true did you ever have people who kind of you know questioned the fact that you know you yourself are so young when mm-hmm. you were you know doing uh, some of these sessions and then, yeah. and you know and normally um the perception is you know someone uh, you know um, older you know True. got like three decades of experience behind True. them and here you're not even like you know turn 30 when you were you know already right. having these you know yeah. difficult conversations so did people ever question uh, oh, from that perspective a lot yeah. of it. See, when i started out i was 23 24 years old yeah. and uh, yeah so what does a 23 year old know about say uh, marriage what is somebody what do you know about life or the kind of questions i did get Right. and i used to turn around and say yeah i don't need to experience a heart attack to be a heart surgeon right so true so i need to understand human beings i need to understand how the human beings work how you think how you and where your blocks are and and know how to help you resolve those right and not necessarily experience that same pain myself because yeah. then there's no end to it um so yeah and and i think now uh, 12 years down the few gray hair have helped and i've Mm. you know told my body that's enough that's mm. that's more than enough <laughs> yeah yeah like you don't have seriously. to be a a heart surgeon to yeah know how a, a heart attack played out yeah i agree on that one and what about in the last few years you've also seen this you know explosion of um, you know speakers trainers oh, you know yeah. coaches people who had 
different businesses, unrelated, you know, no purpose, and just popped in because they saw an opportunity. Um, does that sometimes bother you when you just see people, you know, who come in and you know claim to be like you know experts uh, in a particular yeah. domain, or you know just just tend to market themselves better, mm. and you know that they probably will not be able to deliver the right, you know, Absolutely. like experience slash you know treatment um, results. Does that bother you? Oh yes, absolutely. I bet I have taken a couple of sessions on the bothering that it did for mm -hmm, me. Mm -hmm. But um, okay, see, I think it's going to be for every profession, right? There's always going to be somebody who's going to stand up and say, I'm the expert. Yeah. Yes, unfortunately, in the coaching and, uh, and therapy industry, everybody today can call themselves a coach. Unfortunately, in India, we don't look at certifications and accreditations beyond a point. Right. We look at what's popular. And then I do feel the work speaks for themselves. And um, yeah, you could be going to whoever you need to go to. And I, and I really do believe that we all have a need that we, that we need to be fulfilling for ourselves, right? And accordingly, we also attract the help that we need. Um, if we are, you know, there are millions of doctors in the country, right? Thousands at least. Yeah. And if yeah. that is the case, not every doctor is the answer to everybody's problem, True. even if they are from the same specialization. True. So I let my work speak for myself and I feel that more than the marketing, and I'll be honest, that's the area I need to improve on. Right. I don't market myself at right. all. Right. Um, but more than the marketing, my true marketing is done by my clients. Yeah. And when somebody again goes up to their friend and say, you know what, talk to her, I have been helped. Right. Then I don't need to do any convincing. True. Then when they come in, they're already converted. Yeah. And then they'll just say, this is my problem, help me. And we get the work started. I think it saves me a lot of time and a lot of headache. Of course. Yeah. I think there is no way to beat, uh, you know, word of mouth. I remember even when Consortium started out, I don't think that at least for the first 12 to 13 years, we did any marketing. It was just mm. word of mouth. You know, somebody would leave some company. Maruti guy would leave, join Airtel. We went to Airtel. Airtel exactly. guy would leave, join ESPN, went to ESPN. It was just by word of mouth and then yeah. referrals and everything else. Yeah. And I think truly that's, uh, you know, I mean, the best way to, you know, Absolutely. grow uh, in the Absolutely. space uh, as well. Let's talk about organizations okay that have you know people who need assistance in this space are you seeing more and more organizations that are now stepping up and saying you know please be a caregiver slash you know a helper to people in my teams or is that right now not really happening in you know too big a way <laughs> well um it's not happening the way i would like it to happen to be honest um during COVID times, especially last year, we had a lot of organizations who started to have talks around this and who said, okay, you know what, well-being is very important for us. Let's uh, do some initiatives. Right. Unfortunately, in India, it was a fad more than something that was sustained. Right. And the moment right. it came to work versus mental health, and it unfortunately, it became that, right? It's one versus another not realizing without this, the other is not going to be very sustainable. Right. In fact, the cost of that is a lot more. True. Um, so there are some organizations that are doing really good work in it. Right. And they have, um, you know, they have year long sort of programs. They are also looking at where the challenges are. Right. The other sort of work that uh, organizations that are doing is, uh, yeah, come talk about it mm. and let's talk about it. Mm. And um, well, that's good. Okay, it's great to have a conversation. It's great let's to start, start building awareness, yeah. Yeah. but then what? And that is the thing. 
Now, I don't have a big organization. I have three people working with me. We potentially can't support an organization as, you know, as a call center to call in for help. Sure. However, what we were and what we are still doing with some organizations is we're driving their well-being initiatives. So we're helping them identify where are the gaps. Got it. Um, you know, what kind of challenges do people have? Are they all emotional challenges or are there other kind of challenges yep. as well? Yep. And then customize the solutions they need. Right. I only support an emotional mental well-being and as an effect also leadership effectiveness because they are interlinked. Right. Um, but beyond that, if physical well-being is required, I have people I collaborate mm. with, you know, or for example, if uh, social well-being is required, you know, that requires more CSR sort of work Correct. or something that we can do as an, as an organization. Correct. Then again, you know, it's either something we help the organization come up with and help them design it right. or we have other people that they can collaborate with. But um, the fact is, it has to be a long-term thing. You know, it's, sure. it's just that. I can't eat a healthy meal right now and then gorge on anything that I want for the rest of my, right. know, the rest of the right. week. It's not yeah. going to work. Yeah, I agree. And I totally wish that would become more than, you know, just like a PR exercise or exactly. just, you know, just checking off the boxes where HR says, hey, you know, we did this and, and now we're all set. I think yeah. it just requires a longer engagement. Absolutely. And I think this happens in a lot of areas like sustainability is another one and yeah. mental wellness, I think, is perhaps, you know, uh, the space that you just mentioned as well. Um, tell me about, you know, coping with addiction because mm -hmm. I'm sure there are, you know, a lot of people who've been also coming in having a difficult conversation around, you know, being addicted to, um, you know, alcohol or tobacco. I mean, there could be X number Social of addictions, right? Social media these days. Social media. Yeah. Okay, uh, Manali, don't watch this. Um, phones, yeah. right? So, yeah, yeah. And uh, so how are you, you know, really helping you know, people in this space? And are you A, seeing an explosion of this? Mm. And B, you know, what role are you really playing in with, you know, patients yeah. with this stuff as well? See, okay, all of these are symptoms of, a, of another thing, right? So everything that we see on the surface that we call a problem is actually not the problem. It's a symptom of a deeper problem. Mm. So when I'm addicted to something, I only get addicted because it's giving me something in return, right? So I get a happy feeling, I get a kick, I get a hormonal a dopamine right. kick at the end right. of it, right? Right. right? So when that is happening, I would want to keep doing it. Now, that is how the brain works. But what is it taking me away from is the bigger question. Right. So if, say, for example, I'm working with addiction, I would want to look at, okay, um, what are, the, so, okay, I'll give you a real life example. Sure. There's somebody I was working with. He mm -hmm. was um, the India head of a real estate company, mm -hmm. a foreigner. Okay? Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. the land that this person comes from is where you have beer for breakfast. Okay? And this person came to me for alcohol addiction. He said, I've tried everything. I've tried the medicines. I've gone to the rehabs. They don't work. And um, something needs to happen. I need right. help because when I go and meet the who's who, I can't be less than myself. And unfortunately, every time I do it, now I feel guilty and I feel worse about myself. And it just goes around in a, in a cycle. And so what we did with, it, with him was I actually helped him to go through that entire, you know, entire process of when is that exact moment when that desire comes up? And what is that moment where the helplessness comes in against the desire and you sort of give in? Right? And we went through a couple of scenarios. And we realized there was a very particular trigger. The trigger was when he was feeling alone, when he felt he didn't know enough, and he right. felt that, okay, you know what? I don't know my next steps. Right. So the feeling that came in for him was that of helplessness, of unworthiness. So that is what he was running away from. Now, right. every time I drink alcohol, it actually just numbs out a part of my brain. Right. So I don't have to think about it. That's the gift it gives me. Right. I don't have to think about what I don't like. 
the moment I recognize that trigger, I can actually cut that, right? And then the change work is. So it's not just about removing something, but it's actually also about building your resources in the present. Right. Now, in this particular case, it only took two sessions. Not mm. every case is just two sessions. Mm. But in two sessions, he stopped drinking after that. Wow. Um, he, in fact, went back to the land he came from. And he went through some difficult times in his life and also COVID, but has not had a drink. Wow. So it's about really reaching the core. Now, I'm getting a lot of people these days around uh, social media addiction. Not everybody thinks it's a problem, but they realize when they're working maybe till two or three in the morning and then not sleeping and then, you know, sort of going around it. So often the addiction is realized when you realize other problems, right? So, oh, I, uh, you know, my BP is really shot up or I'm having some heart issues or, uh, you know, I'm having palpitations and anxiety. Now, that's what they'll come up for. And then we realize one of the symptoms of that also is the addiction to social media or right. something else or the right. substance, right. etc. Yep. Again, what is that giving you here? So for an addiction, I would always say, if this was not there, what would you lose out on? And what does it give you? And I would actually go back to the very first time I started with it. Like for most people, if you're working with smoking, right? Um, smoking is a very social exercise. In a corporate, most people start smoking because the boss goes out and smokes. Correct. And the ones who actually go out and, and have that discussion over that smoke is Correct. where the deal is closed. Yep. They're the ones who are the closest. Yep. So while, yep. okay, you know what? I want to be part of that gang. So either I'm going to be passively smoking mm -hmm. or I might as well start smoking. True. And so it begins. So what did it give them? Oh, it gave me a sense of importance. It gave me a sense of belonging. I felt like I was one of the group. Those are the gaps I would want to work with. Right. That's right. Interesting. Yeah. And again, you're saying, when is a good time to come out and get help when it comes to addictions? As soon as you spot As soon as you think, yeah. As soon as you spot it. As soon as, yeah. See, so for anything, it's the moment you spot it. Um, for mental health, we always say that when something starts to interfere with your life. As humans, we're also very adaptive. So it takes us a long time to realize, oh, it's trying to interfere with my life. Right. Um, especially when it comes to addictions. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the moment you spot it, the moment you realize that when I am not having this, I'm not feeling good. Right. That's the time to realize, oh, I'm dependent here. Awesome. And so from dependency to addiction is also a journey. So yeah. that's the time before mm. it becomes a Got that. No, This has been super and we still have a few more questions to go. But just wondering, uh, how can people reach out to you? Because a lot of our listeners would you know, connect with some of the things that you've said and they, sure. they want, you know, ways to get in touch with you. So, of course, while well, I'll put in some of your social handles and your email ID uh, in the you know, comments of the sure. YouTube video and the podcast as well. But what are the best ways to reach out to you? Um, drop me an email or send me a message. That's the easiest one. Uh, calling me sometimes is difficult because I'm usually in a session and I will not take the call, right. but I will call back. So it's better that somebody just drops a message and... Um, gives me a reference and I'll, I'll get back to them. Cool. So yeah, I'm going to put your, uh, you know, uh, coordinates uh, on the comments and all of that as well. So definitely, because like I said, you know, you're making such a tremendous impact. And I think the world really needs, you know, to know, uh, you know, more about, you know, the work that you're doing and more. What really is in store for you in the years ahead? I know it's, it's you know, been early in the journey still and you yeah. still have like a long, long way to go. But what's really uh, lined up next? What's on the cards uh, in the months and years to come? Oh, well, I think to put it simply, it would be uh, following the signs that, uh, that the universe shows me. But uh, honestly, I think it's about normalizing emotional mental well-being and normalizing its linkage also because 
otherwise a big part of my work also is in leadership effectiveness right and and i have in my work uh, linked the two together Important. so when i'm working with corporates i won't normally talk about mental health the same way right. so i would not necessarily take them back to their childhood but i'll do it in a way that's safe for them mm. and i'll also help them see patterns that they can <clears throat> either used to become better leaders right. or um right. uh, you know or overcome to become better leaders and be more effective in their lives so now one is to uh, no, so in terms of things that are coming up one is to keep on that uh, that work in the space of normalizing mental emotional well-being right. the second is normalizing mental health and corporates and that's a big one for me yeah. because i feel that's an environment where people feel both excited and helpless you know and and it's it's a vicious cycle and that is where uh, you know if they could build in and they could learn the resources that that could take care of themselves they don't mm-hmm. always need to come to a therapist mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's as simple as you know, if i know how to eat my fruits and eat my salads i don't always need to go to a nutritionist and why, when i've gained 100 kgs right mm. so um so that's that's the one right. and uh, the third is to bring it into schools so we've done some work there already yeah. and we have collaborated with a couple of organizations right and here are the ideas not to work with children because see children are helpless uh-huh. um in the sense that they are helpless in the context the right. ones who are the decision makers are the parents and the teachers they are the biggest influencers right right in fact in my career earlier i used to work with children now stop doing that mm-hmm. because um you could help a child have the hugest change and then the child goes back into an environment that does not support that change right and it is uh, further traumatizing for the child correct and honestly speaking it was difficult for me as well yeah. so i started to work with the ones who are the influencers the teachers the, the parents Good and uh, that's the work i'm also continuing on with schools awesome yeah so yeah i think that's it. yeah that's going to really have some great impact no doubt so this is of course you know the smashed past you know yet not dashed podcast and my concluding question to you would be this mm-hmm. so people who you know in this time you know are feeling you know smashed and and bashed and feeling quite hopeless Uh, what would really be your parting advice to them uh well there was a there was a story that uh, a parable that osho really talked about which was that there was there was once a king who asked uh, the wise men to uh, give him a ring that had the wisest words written and the, uh, so somebody gave him that ring and they said read it when you are in trouble and read it in the highest times as well and the words are this too shall pass and i think that's the one that to remember one mm-hmm. step at a time mm-hmm. one day at a time one moment at a time mm-hmm. one breath at a time and the idea is to keep moving yeah. and if you keep moving the worst of the worst will pass and it's okay to ask for help love that thank you soma it was an absolute pleasure to thank have you, you at you the both. academy today and have you on the smash bash the yet not dash podcast uh, viewers i'm sure you love that one and listeners as well um somya sharma ladies and gentlemen do follow her i will put all her uh, coordinates and uh, social handles uh, in our uh, chat box and, and the comments etc as well uh, definitely reach out uh, you know to her if you ever need absolutely anything in this space to have a conversation and more uh, we are both bni chapter members feel free to come to our bni chapter um excellence is a great chapter and i'm the president <laughs> and she's the vice president uh, just in case uh, you didn't know that but really enjoyed this conversation and uh, wishing you all the best and Thank more you. thanks so much thank you